Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Craig, Kyle, and Scott here again this week to help you uh, in your journey. And we are in Christmas season. And I love it because it's just such a reminder of generosity and how God is so generous. And we uh, one thing that's been going on this week, and shout out to so many of our listeners who participated, is the blessing boxes. And if you if you're listening, if you've never been part of that, like to experience the delivery, the packing, to see it, uh, many people do their own boxes and then drop them off, and you kind of see it is it is phenomenal. I love it, and it's such a huge demonstration of generosity. And there was again, I mean, not surprised, surprised that there's an abundance this year. Yeah, even, I'm even never in surprised. a harder year. Like I heard, yeah, I heard some people, you know, and you, you get closer and. And people are like, oh, are we going to have enough? And we kept asking. And I, I never had the sense that, and I talked to some people on Sunday morning. And uh, I talked to one gentleman who was just like, our church just always shows up. You know, it's it's oh, yeah. so cool that, and some people I would talk to are like, oh, well, do we need to go and do some more and get some more and, and give some more? And, and I'm like, I'm not worried at all that we're not going to have enough for Trent. And we had over and above because yeah. the generosity is amazing. There's an abundance. It's so so great. And it's one of those things you're just like, this took a lot of people. You know, yeah. it's not one one person. Uh, it's not one. No, or I two packed people. them all by myself. I, I you, built them all. Man, you shopped for everybody. Yeah. You know, you really are impressive, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> fit uh, them all in my truck. You know, we did delivered. squeeze a lot in your we truck. We did. <laughs> We're like, can we fit some more fifth, sixth grades in here? Yeah. Might as well. Pack it in. Yes. And so it's just one of those things. I just stand in, because um, the teachers love it, and they are yeah. they are so excited. And they get on board. One of, I mean, they, I don't know directly, but I know the principal asked me, like, hey, can we donate as teachers? How much are you guys thinking? And so they were in on, on some of the financial stuff. Another one put it. Uh, on a Facebook group that is like about serving Spokane quarantine. I've never heard of them until. Oh come on, man! You're on the, you mm-hmm. you live under a rock. Yep. Mm-hmm. In the social media world, you kind of do live under a rock, which is probably pretty good. Yes. Live under that rock. Yeah, I heard him talking about it too. I think this year. I mean, last year was obviously a weird year in the drop off, and we've had varying levels of our participation and their participation. Right, where we do 100 percent of it, where they just get the boxes in the room. They were excited to jump on this year and deliver them down to their own classrooms as we dropped them off. And so last night when we dropped them off, lots of teachers there receiving them from us and taking them down to their classroom. So a lot of chatter and a lot of – it's so awesome. They're Like you said, they're excited. They love getting behind it. I've talked to teachers who have moved on from that school, went to other schools, are doing different stuff now. And not one of their first conversations when they're like, oh, you, you go to that mission church. Are you guys still doing that thing this year? You guys are so awesome. We love that. It's so exciting. So within the staff culture, it's just greatly appreciated the generosity of, of our church. Yeah, and it just screams of, like we were talking about on last week's episode, just a generous God and who is you know a generous host uh, for us in our lives, but then we're blessed to be a blessing. And if you follow Jesus, there's an abundance always in your life. And not just financially. We're talking way more than that, where God fills our cup emotionally, relationally, um, and so we're able to to be a blessing to other people, and it spreads into the community, to you know the district. Like the superintendent reached out to us this year of East Valley and was like, "Hey, anything we can do to help? We love that um, what you do, what you do over at Trent." And um, so just the, I love it that the love and generosity of our good God. That's the message that is leading out there. It's not about us and making a name for Mission Church. It really is just about 
helping students. And some of those students probably have received boxes for like three, four, five, six years in a row. And so that consistency of like, no, God sees you, cares about you, uh, and delivers some love to you via some people. And it's, it's our church that leads the way, but so many people in the community jump on board and help. Um, yeah, it just kind of is refreshing in the sense of, hey, there's some good people out there doing some good stuff and want to jump on board. So one of the things about that whole story uh, is how it got started. And it actually relates to one of our texts in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus is inviting Peter to step out of the boat and walk on the water with him. And recently... Way to get the walk on the water story going, Craig. Good hey, job. Well, but no, no, wait for it. So, so recently, I used that same text when Cindy and I team taught here at Mission Church. And it was in the series Brave. And the point we made through that series was that every significant thing God does in you or through you lies on the other side of a brave step. And so historically, how the blessing box thing got started is um, when Cindy, my wife, for listeners that don't know, when she was the children's pastor here at Mission Church, we were participating in a different Christmas uh, gift program that was international in its scope. And at some point, the Lord just put it on Cindy's heart. It's like, well, we're blessing kids in other parts of the world, and that's awesome. We've been doing that for several years. But what about the kids right next door? Maybe we could do something for them. And I don't know if you remember this, but... It started out on a smaller side. We just went to the school and said, hey, who are the ones most in need? Can you give us a list of names? And I think that first year it was something like, I don't know, 60 or 70. I think it was more like 35 to 35. 40. Yeah, it was a small it's start. It's basically what we're doing for Samaritan's Purse, the shoeboxes to around the world. We right. just said, we'll trans, transfer over. Yeah, yeah. And my point in all of that is, um, you know, we did that that first year. And it was pretty rewarding. And it was exciting. And then I, I don't know if it was the next year or the year after you got involved, Scott. And I remember the, I remember distinctly. Well, I'm going to think I was in on was from, say, the, from the beginning. I knew he was going to come back. No, with no, no. Like that. He, he was you, there. We were all there. No, I mean, no. Kyle helped. I saw him there. Okay. All right. Great. Way we're to we're looking on for it. credit here, Craig. Come on. Yeah. Okay. It's all about you, Scott. No, we were all involved in the beginning, but about a year Either the second or third year, you said, you know, I, I just think the Lord wants us to do every student at the school. I remember that. No, I, that's uh, that's way too spiritualized, Craig. That's giving me way too much credit. No, you did. No, because it wasn't. It was. <laughs> you may be like, I had this revelation from the Lord, and it was real, like angelic. It wasn't that. It was more like felt bad and guilty. Is <laughs> the story. We we were. But, but you. Here's the thing that I remember distinctly. You had. You thought. I, I can hear your point. Let's get to your point. You, Go my ahead. point is, you had faith to believe that we could do it. It's like, yeah, we could do every student. And and yes. I'm thinking. Uh, that was a brave step for sure. That was a big brave. That's step. your point. That's my point. The long-winded story to say, the Peter stepping out of the boat when it's like Jesus is that you over there? We will come. I will come out to you exactly. if you're leading me that way, because it's it's always he'll provide. He'll resource emotionally. And, like, and here's, the, here's my point. I remember thinking, uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I remember, oh, man, oh, little faith. I saw everybody's faith face when they were like, their you, faith okay, was like real low when I was like, because the long story short is we were doing 35 and then 75, and then we did like 150, and I we were feeling went, real good about ourselves. Yeah, it went up a couple of increments there. Yeah, and it was really growing. Like, man, our community's jumping on board. And then the teacher I was working with and volunteering every week was like, hey, that's great. Appreciate it. And she had a ton of students that were on the free and reduced lunch and in real need. And so we were trying to target those students. So she was like, cool. But then you made, gave me the hard job of living that out. And I had to give half my class gifts and the other half I'd tell them I you're fine that. and you're in third grade. 
So deal with it emotionally. And that you're not as no mean way they as can those understand kids. That. Yeah. And she's like, and, and she did it so generously and nicely. She's like, we appreciate it. We're thankful, but it's really hard. And then I was, I was struck with the angelic message from the Lord. <laughs> I was like, let's not be chumps about it. Let's, let's love does. Let's not just say we love people, but First uh, John says, like, if you're going to love somebody, yes, tell them you love them, but then do something. Follow up with action. Yeah. And doesn't every kid deserve to be loved and expressed that way? Not just someone on a lower economic scale? I think so. Yeah. What a, like, I'm surprised. I As you guys talk about it, um, one, I'm surprised at present day sitting here and, and seeing what we did. I'm surprised at how little we used to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Like you say, Samaritan's person. I remember uh, Operation Christmas Child. Operation whatever it's called. Yeah. The shoebox. Yeah. Um, Operation shoebox. Christmas Child. Yeah. I think so. And you know, but you say like thirty thirty-five or something like that. I'm like, that's ridiculous. So Come we on. we probably had that extra this year. Yeah. So you talk about exercising the generosity muscle. You talk about taking steps of faith. When Peter got out of the boat the first time, you know if. It probably didn't happen again, but if they had another situation where he saw Jesus walk on the water in the midst of a storm, he's like, coming out, and Jesus would give him the head nod, and it wouldn't be such a brave step. So for us, again, yeah. to say, we're doing every every kid this this year, we're like, yeah, that's just what we do. Well, to and your, that, you know, and that's, that's the reason I wanted to bring all this up, because people that are kind of more recently joining the, the, the blessing box, you know, uh, ministry and, and excited about it. And Craig just made the blessing box ministry. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they LLC. see it as an established thing. I mean, we do it every year. They hear about it. We've done it for years. If they don't know the origin of it, then they miss out on, I think, something that's really important, and that is that stuff that God does start always starts with a single step, a, a brave step, but a single step. And then as you get into it, it's like, Oh, wow, what was I worried about, right? Yeah. And, and that's encouraging, I think, to our listeners. It is to me personally that, you know, big things, uh, God can do big things, but it always starts with a first step of obedience, of trust, a brave step, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, just, again, to me, it just it's mind-blowing that we go from this thing that was really cool, and we're doing it and making a change different around the world and, and all this stuff, and fast forward to today, and we're like, oh, we can never do tw- almost 20 times that? Like, that's crazy. And so for me, I'm like, again, I think it translates into our lives going like, well, I can't give to God. The bills are too high and the things are stuff. I can't, I can't talk to that person at work. Like, like you fast forward and it's 20 times that. Like, they, again, I think translating to the generous spirit of God, like, that's just the way he's called us to live. And he will supply. And, again, this year I never had a, a second where I was, like, in fear of, like, oh, no, what if we only get... 499 and they need 500 like no we're gonna make it work and people are gonna step up and there's a generous spirit from the lord and i just think that so often the fear and the what if holds us back and we just go no nah, i can't give i can't give 10 percent. i i that's that would never work just start somewhere and see what god's gonna do and watch as you fast forward 10 years and it's 20x yeah. like that's that's amazing. Yeah, you just never know where it's going to go. We went from 35-ish, 30 to 40, to 550. It, yeah, I don't know. Sue got sick, so she yeah. wasn't part of the delivery. She sent me some messages. She was on the, the final count. Yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, so we give them to the students uh, or the staff, and then they'll figure out all the students and then their siblings that are in need and uh, extra people that they can they can give to. 
Uh, they're gonna open. They they go on break tomorrow, so they're gonna between today and tomorrow. They got a Christmas tree in the lobby, so they're gonna come down as a class and like open the gifts together. And so it's more than just like here's a gift, go home. There's gonna be an experience and some uh, intentionality and some thoughtfulness to the to the receiving of the gift too. Yeah, I'm thinking of a verse and I can't remember where it is, uh, but it, it's the Bible. It's probably in the Bible, okay, because it's a verse. <laughs> Thanks, well, we've Scott. been at my That's house. So we've been going back and forth. It's great. <laughs> I'll get uh, from some people uh, names aside here. Uh, well, Jesus said, or in the Bible, or Jesus. I was like, well, you got to show me that because that's not. I don't think that's true. Like, show me. So the, we've been going verse, back and forth. There's been a few like, well, this is what I was. And this, did you find that in the Bible? No. Okay. Nope. Well, let's come back to what. Well, Jesus this one actually, actually is in the Bible, Scott. <laughs> okay. And it says something to the effect of, "Do not despise the day of small beginnings." And, and it's what we're talking about now. I mean, everything starts small, right? I mean, that's the nature of the kingdom. It's a first step, but then it can go great places like you're, like you're, you're pointing out. And I, I just want to encourage our listeners, don't be afraid to take a, a small step, a little step. It may or may not grow into something ginormous, but you never know where it's going to go. And, and don't, have a, don't allow yourself to look at the, the little step or the little thing that you start with as something insignificant because it's not. That's what God said. Don't despise the, the small beginning. Zechariah four ten. What's that? Zechariah four ten. Zechariah four ten. I Googled knew that. It. I was no, just I testing it. you. And yeah, glad and I, I, I love that, Craig. And, and we've talked about this probably on the podcast, and you've talked about this before. And I think specifically with this pa- passage in Matthew, where Peter goes, "Hey Jesus, is that you? Call me to come out." And Scott, like you said, I didn't feel like it was a, a revelation from the Lord, but there's some stuff that's just obvious. Yes, Jesus has called us to be generous. Like for us to go, I don't know if it's from the Lord, if we should bless every student at Trent. Absolutely it is. Jesus calls us to be generous. And so there's times, I think, where we overthink the simple step because we go, oh, is Jesus really calling me to, to do that? Absolutely. If When you're generous, you're like Jesus. That's what he's called us to do is to love like he does. And so I think sometimes we drag our feet and we're going to go pray and fast about it when it's like the answer is already obvious. Yes, you should be stepping out and loving yeah. the way Jesus does. And so you should give and you should be generous because you're never more like Jesus than when you're loving that way and being generous. You know, yeah. this this very church here, Mission Church, is another example of what we're talking about. Um you know, we have an established church with decades of history and a building and a congregation and ministries that are established and, and impact around the world, literally. Um, but it started small. Smart. It started in a, a, a front room in a house on Argonne. We actually have a guy in our church, Bob, who's on the worship team and been a part of the church for many years. He was uh, a single guy, walked into that living room of that house when there was not, like no people. Like he was one of the first persons to be a part of what is now Mission Church. And it's all because a couple from St. Mary's said, hey, let's go start a church in Spokane, in the Spokane Valley. And they came and they rented a house and they started with a really small but brave step. And Mission Church is here today because of that. Mm-hmm. And we can get, um, well, I got so many thoughts, but one, just to encourage people like Kyle, you said it, I think we all said it, but just echoing, like, what's your brave step? As you're listening, like as you're following Jesus and he's guiding you and you know, you know, it's God as best as you can. Or you just know, like God said, love your neighbor. Yeah, it's the way of God. Yeah. Right. And but whether it's like a, you had a dream or a revelation, but it's fine. Double check, like pray about, see God, are you leading this? Uh, and what seems like an incredibly hard and difficult and brave faith-filled step, later you look back on and go, oh, God provided. He showed up. He led the way. He multiplied. He mm-hmm. did more than I could imagine. Um, 
and, and everybody listening has that, I'm sure, in their, their past. So if you look back at a, another situation, but whatever you're facing today and in currently, you feel like, oh, I'm a little overwhelmed. How are you going to come through, God? Like, God always does. And another thought is, like, I love it. Like, don't, don't despise, like, the small beginnings. If you just want your family, like, our family needs to pray more together. So, so you think, oh, we got to have this huge prayer culture and do this 17 times a day. Just, like, once. Like, just do something. Mm-hmm. Like, get started. Get your leg out the boat. Like, what's the next step after that? We'll find out once the foot touches the water. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see where we step next. And that is really the thing that gets you unstuck in following Jesus, is actually to take some action. Yep. In our our culture of too much information, too much information that we're getting, consuming, and then not taking action on it, like, you should almost stop listening to this podcast if it just is, like, good information for you, and then you don't do anything with it, because it's going to be detrimental in the long run, because knowledge puffs up, love builds up, and love love is an action. And where is that verse, Scott? In the Bible, Craig. And so, you know, it's one of those things, like, take more action on the things we already know. Yeah. And we can get all jacked up about the numbers, and I'm glad every single student is covered, because every single student is an important individual. And so... um I think don't despise small beginnings too. For me, lands where it's the the one on one or the small beginning is like very very important, and it still is important. It doesn't diminish. Like sitting around in a living room in 1960s with the start of a church is awesome, and so is today on a Tuesday night with a community of believers and discipling one another, caring for one another. Exactly. You would put that in the small category because it's a few people getting together but it's, I think it's one of the most important huge things in the kingdom of God and so that's a tricky kind of thing. Well, to, yeah and I think like, that's why we focus so much, we talk about it all the time, specifically at Missions Church in our in our strategy and our culture is like, we, we talk about next steps and so what's your next step and that we would constantly be thinking through that and so I think sometimes it's got so to your point. So you don't get stalled out. Yeah so I think sometimes you're like well is this a small step or a big step it's like well what is your next step right like I, I've I've found Jesus I've dedicated my life to him what's my next step right like and yeah your steps maybe get bigger there's times where it that step feels like a leap because you're or it feels like a step out of a boat instead of a step on dry land or an easy step to you know just open up your word in the morning and and or give a dollar right and then there's there's these more things that it's like yeah these but constantly thinking through life with Jesus is a journey and we never arrive like I don't have any next steps I got there I beat the game right like I won uh, there's always a next step to be had. And I think sometimes the way that we judge them and rank them is, you know, can be significant, but most of the time I think it's just, yeah, what's your next step? And it might be huge. It might be selling everything you got and going to Thailand, right? Like for Gary and Paula Hayes, that right. was a next step for them. That's yeah. where they were at. And so that's that's a big step, and everybody's step is a big step. Yeah. It takes faith. Yeah, that's kind of my point. Like, yeah. it's, That's what's hard. was like, yeah, for me to step into a group with people I don't really know well and start to... On Tuesday nights, go into a home of people I kind of know or saw once and start to open up about my life and ask them to pray for me can be a giant step for other more extroverted people. They don't feel like it's a giant step, but it's a huge step. Yeah. You know, actually, everything in the kingdom really works this way. Jesus said the kingdom is like a a grain of wheat, a kernel of wheat. And if it remains alone and dies, I mean, there's nothing, right? But if it's planted in the ground, then it grows up into a, a wheat plant that generates lots more. And, and even Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't come and did, he didn't start with a big thing. He didn't come and say, all right, we're going to get 50,000 people, you know, gathered together in a stadium and we're going to, you know, launch this ministry in a, in a huge way. 
No, he started with 12 guys. Started with 12, he started with a small group. He started with some individuals. To your point, Scott, it, it's always about individuals. It's never about crowds. It's about people, individual people who have names. He started with 12 guys that he called personally and individually and poured himself into them. And the church worldwide today, the millions of Christ followers there are in the world today, are the result of that initial step. And mm -hmm. I love it in the Matthew 14 when Peter's walking on the water. Oh, I like how you did that. Uh, when we're following Jesus and we're confident in God and then life and difficulties, uh, Peter loses his focus on Jesus, starts to see the circumstances and the water and the He's like, the reality of like, oh, this is real. I'm actually walking on water. He begins to sink at Jesus' words to him when he's taking that brave step, realizing that our eyes drift from Jesus. He goes in verse 27, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And so I think that's, that's encouraging for all of us in the midst of following Jesus. Whatever your step is that is brave and bold and full of faith. Uh, and again, keep your eyes on your own paper. Don't compare your big step to someone else's big step because it'll look small. You can always find someone doing more and doing bigger and doing braver in, in what you think is. Yeah, in, but, your, in your eyes or the way that you quantify or qual that Again, my, to my point, that we quantify and qualify those steps so much differently. Like, oh, well, me coming to a group's no big deal. And like that person over there, it's a huge deal for them. Yeah. But just, yeah. And we look at all the outside, but inside we're still the same. Are people going to accept me? Will I continue to have more work in the future? Is there layoff coming? Will I get hired again? Um, but Jesus would say to each and every one of us through that process, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. Be you know, courageous because you're looking at Jesus. You're banking on him. I mean, it's literally Peter standing on some water going, what's your foundation here, buddy? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it's not solid because that's not your foundation, what you're literally standing on. It's, it's Christ. And so don't be afraid. To, to, to take that step initially, like just get, get some action going and you'll see God show up and yeah, provide. And, and it's the faith part of that, right? That, that, that is the theme and the, the crux of this story is that first step, he's full of faith. Oh, if it's you, Jesus, call me out there. And Jesus says, yeah, it's me. He's like, well, if you're calling me anywhere, whether it's water, whether it's the sky, whatever, I can walk on it because you're here and his faith is there. And so all of those steps that we would just... Again, I, I think of some of the ones that we're just in the middle of right now is people thinking through the generosity of the Christmas spirit and their budget and the next year and the layoffs and all this kind of stuff. Like, well, I can't give. I can't be generous. I can't love my neighbor well. I can't give of myself and my time. It's just so busy this season. I can't, you know, walk across the street and be kind. I can't do these things. I'm just so, so busy that we would just have a step of faith that to love like Jesus and trust that he's got it. That he's, he's got it as we give a dollar, we give a hundred dollars, we give a minute of our time to a stranger or to someone who needs. It's just take that step of faith and trust that he's got you. He's not going to let you fail. Yeah. Um, I think Chris Hemsworth and I have the same same anxiety at times. You know Chris Hemsworth? Yeah, I do Thor. Know. Yeah. yeah, no, I know who Chris Hemsworth <laughs> is. I thought you were going to say, I think we have the same body type. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah, I, yeah, we do the too. same workout. We're, uh, no. you know, we're Did you watch the Limitless stuff he put out? Uh-uh. Yeah. Some of it's pretty good. Um, some of it's just drawn out. but uh, I've seen a little of it. Yeah. Anyways, um, I don't know where you're going at all. So sometimes when we compare our next step and with other people and we look at the external stuff, uh, but it's really the internal thing. And so Amy and I have a business where, you know, it's in the construction world and the home world. And so 
uh, it kind of ebbs and flows with what's going on in the economy, like everything else. And so, you know, uh, interest rates up, people aren't buying, that kind of stuff. So we've seen a little bit of a slowdown in the interest in our business. So it's like, okay, God, are you going to continue to provide? There's a nervousness. Like, will people hire us? Um, is there going to be more work in the future? And he's always faithful and he always provides, uh, but yet go through this anxiety, get, go through these mm-hmm. moments. And it's good that we're, Amy and I are together on this because we just keep reminding each other someone's got a little bit more faith uh, one day than the other. But I heard Chris on an interview, just a snippet the other day, did some project, and then he was like, yeah, I don't, I, sometimes I worry about if someone's going to hire me again, you know, to do another movie. And you think, why would you, you're like Thor, and you do things, and like, I'm sure you have plenty of money, and it's not, but still internally, right, he's wondering, will someone say, hey, we want you to work on our project, we want you to come help us, we appreciate your talents and what you can bring and your skills, and we'll, 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 uh, we'll invite you in on that, and we'll accept you to come and and that's that same internal thing. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is sitting there going, I wonder if someone's going to hire me to paint their cabinets. And you're like, me same, too, Chris. It's the same down deep thing. I wonder if someone's going to hire me to be in a multi-billion dollar production. Right? Yeah. I have that thought all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I hear you, though. Yeah, like that. And again, we want to look at the external thing and think, oh, he's in a different category. He never worries about the yeah, future. Yeah, but back to your point, you know, it's the human condition. It's that that stress and anxiety and the, you know, the sinful nature that we're all born with and that we step into is just... This idea of insecurity and um, fear and anxiety going, yep. I don't know if this is going to work. And Jesus says, take courage. Yep. It's don't me. be afraid. I got you. I'm yep. here. Follow me. You know, me. In, in this uh, story of the walking on the water that Peter and... <laughs> we're, we're, we were joking around beforehand about, like, are we going to get into this story or not? We, we so are. that's why we keep, like, yep. referencing it. Like, I guess we're in it. We, we yeah, are we, in we're it. We're but we've been not. talking about it for the last couple of weeks because... It's a one-day experience where he feeds the people on the shore, and he's mourning John the Baptist. And anyways, yeah. Anyway, so it says that when they climbed back into the boat, then the wind stopped. And I, my uh, tendency to wonder uh, just kicks in big time right there. It's like when the wind is blowing, the waves are splashing everywhere, in the boat, all over yourself, you know, and the people in the boat. And, I mean, it's just chaotic and they're trying to climb into a boat. And I just try to picture Jesus and Peter climbing into the boat. Once they get in the boat, then the wind stops. But where I'm going with all that is, it says then they crossed the lake, landed at Gennesaret, or however it's pronounced. People recognized Jesus, brought their sick. And I love this. It says, they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. And I, you know, I think what that tells us, well, it tells us a lot of things, but it it tells us about the power of, of Jesus to bring healing, but it also tells us about the fact that he's not playing favorites. He's not picking winners and losers. You know, sometimes people think, well, you know, I hear about miracles and Jesus does that for other people, but he must love them more than me because he doesn't do that for me. But it doesn't say that, you know, Jesus picked a few people by name and said, here, you can be healed and others cannot. It says all who touched him were healed. And I know that, I mean, right now we're in a series about miracles, and I know this just kind of, for a lot of people, stirs up questions like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I kind of believe that, but my experience is not, doesn't conform with what you're saying, because I know a lot of people I prayed for didn't get healed, and all that kind of stuff starts rising up in our thinking and our hearts. But the fact of the matter is, when you reach out and touch Jesus, his life then flows your way. And that it's way more than just physical healing. 
um, it, it, the ultimate healing is the healing of the soul and the permanent and eternal healing that is ours through salvation in Christ. And, and um, I, I just love the fact that you know, Jesus is not playing favorites. He's not picking winners and losers. Yeah, but if we if we drill down a little bit on that moment and and then you know make up a little bit, but probably true to reality, I bet the some of these people had the same experience. They're like they were waiting for Jesus, and they thought they were he was picking favorites because uh, it says right here that once the people recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country, like and then people brought all their sick to him. So I'm making this up. But inferring a little bit, but those people had heard about Jesus already. So was their experience? Why is Jesus on the other side of the lake? Why is he always over in Jerusalem healing those people? We're out here in the countryside, a little more remote place. He hasn't come over our way, or when he came through, it was really quick, and then he moved on. We're still waiting for him to show up. Mm. It's been so long. We don't have the ability and resources to carry our sick on this multi-day journey over to Jerusalem. And then what if he moves along by the time we get there? We would have no idea to track him and know where he's at. There's no news and social media. So he's been over there in the, the chosen people's city, Jerusalem, and hanging out with those people. Yeah. He's up in Galilee, like, and here we are in this remote. So he finally shows up. Because it went viral, it seems like to me. Get the word out, Jesus is here. Just like it went viral when he got in the boat and then everybody ru- rushed to meet him on the beach. You know, he, I think that's why he traveled by boat. He's like, y'all don't have boats. I can get away from you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, their experience. Now, how long and that kind of thing. That's could interesting. Could have been a couple of days. Could have been weeks. But maybe someone had been waiting a year. Yeah, very possibly. Uh, and I, I want to say something else while we're on the subject of physical healing here. Um you know, sometimes when somebody we pray for is not healed physically in the way that we're praying that they will be, and they pass away, they die, we will sometimes say, well, it's really the ultimate healing. To, to, to die and go to be in heaven is, you know, that's, that's really a, a better and, and more enduring healing than just physical healing. And sometimes when we say that, I think we say it a little glibly, you know, just as a way to kind of... Um, help ourselves deal with the fact that we've been disappointed and our prayer didn't get answered like we wanted it to. And, and sometimes I felt like, yeah, it's just a little bit of a cop-out. You know, maybe that's just a, a way of being dismissive of the reality of the fact that my prayer didn't get answered. And reality is, no, that's, it's not dismissive. It's not a glib little, cute little thing to say. It really is true. And, and I, I, I sometimes remind myself, every person who got physically healed during Jesus's earthly ministry, guess what happened to him? They got sick again, and they died. The, the physical healing that we put such a priority on is temporary for everybody. And even raising people from the dead. Guess what happened to Lazarus after he got raised from the dead? He died again. Like being raised from the dead, we think, oh, that'd be so great. Yeah, so you can experience death twice? Like who wants to do that? You know what I'm saying? We, we, put a pre, we are so short-sighted. I kind of do. You have an awesome story for yeah, a while. I say. <laughs> You still get to keep living, and again, that's Paul's point, right? No, no, to, no. It, but it's it, it's it's tunnel. It's not tunnel. It's uh, nearsightedness. Yeah, limited. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Jesus said, "I'm the resurrection and the life. Even though you die, you shall live." Exactly. And God's promise of protection for us is not to to keep us from dying here on earth. Yeah. It's for eternal life. Then, again, yeah. to so your point, that's what I'm preaching very, this what, Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> and that's very limited. Per, and I I said this on Sunday, and I didn't communicate it very well because that's in the middle of 
breaking down, but <laughs> uh, that <laughs> idea that um, like, like Jesus's that. prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane of like, hey, Father, if, if we could not go this route anymore, that'd be great. And I'll, I'll, I'll do something other than dying. And he died. Um, but the fruition of his prayer in the new creation. And I don't know how many of my prayers that I've prayed on earth and I felt like they just hit the ceiling and bounced back are answered in, in the new creation and that are answered even more fully and more perfectly in, in a beautiful way that is it within God's redemptive plan from beginning to end. And we don't get to see that. And sometimes, to your experience, like sometimes we know that person who we love that uh, had a relationship with Jesus that is no longer here with us is experiencing the answer to the prayers that we prayed for them in a beautiful new creation. And so even insignificant, quote-unquote, stuff that we think of, like how much more fully aware we're going to be of the beautiful answer to those prayers in yeah. the new creation. I, just yesterday, no, two days ago, I was at a pastor's meeting, and a friend of mine shared a story about a time when um, he went out late at night. He was in college. He went out late at night and um, was actually just asking the Lord, hey, is there somebody I can share the good news with? And there's this guy there late at night um, near the college campus, and he was, hey, hey you know, he was kind of out of it. And he, hey, have you got some money? I need some change. And he's like, well, what do you need? What do you need the money for? Well, I haven't eaten. Okay, well, so he w- took him down to the local fast food place. They went inside and sat down. And he bought him something to eat. And while they were talking, he shared Jesus with him. And the guy was grateful for the food, but he had absolutely zero interest in the gospel, n- no interest in Jesus. And so uh, they parted ways, and he went back to his college dorm, and he felt like, yeah, that was a swing and a miss. You know, I helped a person get a little food, but Absolutely zero response to the gospel. Years later, that guy found him and said, hey, by the way, do you remember such? And he said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, well, I just want you to know, I could never get what you said out of my head. And eventually I gave my heart to Christ, and I'm in Bible college right now studying to be a, a pastor. It's like you have no idea. You, you think, oh, well, this my prayers yeah, aren't awesome. getting answered. You know, nothing's happening as a result of what I'm doing. No, every time you follow Jesus, take a step of faith, a brave step, share the good news, love somebody generously, whatever it is you're doing in his name, it matters. And there is a ripple effect yep. many times that you have no idea is going on. Yeah, because our responsibility is not the other person's response. Correct. And so we try to own that, manipulate that, control that. That's God's work. Our responsibility is to throw the leg out the boat and then take that step and then go, okay, here we go. And then to, to truly not be, you know, uh, I'm trying to put some words to it, try to be motivated by the response or demotivated by the lack of response. Like, well, I've tried that before and, it, and I didn't get that response from the person fell on their knees at the diner and like received Christ and everybody in the place. Like, well, God didn't ask you to do that. That's not your part. Your part is to like plant the seed, water the seed. Like God does the growing part and it's up to the person to respond. And so we should continue to be bold and take that step and act in faith and really release the other stuff that's not ours to even have yep. and to hold. So yep. that's God awesome. said, that's my word will not return to me void without accomplishing that which I sent it out to accomplish. What's that song, uh, Kyle? You know it from youth group. God, the word of God is like itty-bitty seed. 
Nope, that was before my nope. time. <laughs> Scattered all around. Come nope, on, nope. you know you know that. No, I, didn't, I do not know that song. <laughs> he doesn't. That's dead. You're that's old. Yeah, okay, that's, I just dated yeah, myself. That's old. That's anyway, really I didn't go to it, Sunday school. It's remember? that idea of just keep scattering the the seed, right? You didn't go to Sunday school in the '80s either. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> How didn't old are you, Kyle? Are you like twenty something? Now? Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and young. I'm a millennial. So the, right. yeah, then after all this crazy healing and stuff, then uh, Jesus gets some more adverse. Adversity. I don't yeah. know why I wanted to say You ready? That. I love this. Ready? Jesus offended some people. What? What? No. Yeah. Uh, chapter 15, moving us along here, verse 12, because there was this discussion with the church leaders. Then the disciples came to Jesus, right, him, and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? So they to offend people, They Jesus. came to Jesus after Jesus' You know, shot him down, redirected, corrected the church leaders, and they go, "Hey, just, hey, bud, FYI, like, um, I noticed that people in the back row after Sunday's message, they were pretty like looked ticked. Um, do you, you should go make peace with them and make, you know, like, it's not good. Do you want to send them an email or something? They might shoot you a text later because they look real like. No, mad. they're just gonna put an anonymous note. They're oh, anonymous gonna, yeah, note. They're not gonna text me. Oh, they're not. They're gonna not gonna, be gonna put their name on an email. Okay. So I got this anonymous, I heard from so-and-so who from so-and-so who found this anonymous note in the parking lot that they're pissed and they're not coming back ever again. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. like It's never happened. Never happened. Uh, but that's what Jesus got. And he goes, okay, yeah, let's go make friends. And like, it's an interesting response here that Jesus has. Well, because again, I think to rewind it, to go to the point where, Jesus doesn't rewind because he goes, I'm speaking the truth and the revelation of God the Father and the kingdom come and rewind in Matthew to the birth story of Jesus, right? You remember like what some of the prophets said to, like, to Mary? Like, yeah, uh, there's going to be an uprising because of this little cute little baby. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's going to divide, divide households. People are going to be divided and a sword will pierce your very soul. Right, like whoa. That's that's <laughs> never on like a congrats, you yeah. had a new baby car <laughs> down at the store. Or it's or, not on the signs that say Merry Christmas, a sword will pierce your soul. Jesus had a bib yeah. that said, I'm gonna pierce yeah. your soul. Right? Like but this like many will fall away because of him. Because he's coming to bring a new truth and a new kingdom come and people are gonna go, Wait, this isn't right. Oh, you're not you're not what we thought we, you were. The truth that you're bringing, the relationship about who God is, the new rules you're setting of right relationship with God are not the ones we followed for so long. And so, yeah, there's this division and this upheaval of... So Jesus doesn't backtrack and go, oh, no, 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 I didn't mean to be offensive. What I meant was, he goes, I'm I'm speaking the truth, and I've sent here for a reason to declare the new kingdom come. And, yeah, it's going to upset some people. Yeah, and directly, verse 14, he says, leave them. He says, don't worry about it. Just ignore them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. So he goes, they, they don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. They don't listen spiritually. They have reject, they're rejecting who I am and the message I'm bringing. They're so focused on the external. We didn't get in the context here, but they were so focused on making up rules on top of rules. Um, they had this oral tradition going on in the Jewish uh, religious leaders, and so they were chirping about that thing and jesus is like they are so far off if they want to come over this way cool but he was telling his disciples just leave them for now like 
let's put our energy and effort to where God's working in his kingdom. And if they want to join in on that, that's awesome. And at the same time, Jesus has a heart full of love and compassion for them. And he's not picking favorites. He's just responding to them and their lack of response to him. Mm -hmm. And he goes, we got other important things to do today than to just argue with these. That is fruitless argument. Right. They're not actually asking like genuine questions about what does the law say and how do we genuinely follow God? And hey, are we off track on, on this? They're just... By the way, that is something we're instructed to uh, follow uh, as well in our as we follow Jesus in in the way that we um, live out our faith. Uh, Titus tells us that we're to avoid foolish, uh, fruitless, pointless arguments and conversations. Um, in fact, be very intentional about that. Don't don't engage with people that just want to argue. Um, if they're sincere and they have questions and there's some debate going back and forth, that's that's different. But if they just want to argue, if they're just picking a fight, if they're just trying to discount what you believe, don't engage with them. Move on to people that actually have a hungry heart and are open. Yeah, and like the the second part of verse 6 is what sticks out to me is where Jesus, in his argument to these Pharisees, he says, you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You've so traditionalized what this relationship with God is and you canceled the whole point of who God is and what he's actually told you for the sake of your tradition. And he gives a specific example, and um, I, I just think that that's so appropriate for so often how religion sneaks into this idea of relationship with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus, and we cancel God's word and God's truth and God's revelation to us, to us for the sake of our traditions, for the sake of the way it should be, for the sake of what we think, and Jesus is like, ah, you're missing it. You're missing it. And you think, and it's puffing you up, just got to your point earlier, it's puffing you up because you think you've got it right, and you're doing it better than other people, and you're missing out on the true, real relationship with Jesus and what he came to reveal. And then when I read this today in light of the last two and a half years, I'm like, they were fighting over washing their hands. And it was the thing that the Pharisees said mm-hmm. that needed to be done as an oral tradition in order to not break God's law. And Jesus was like, that's you're off track. And how ridiculous and how divisive and destructive relationally that the pandemic and washing of hands and not washing of hands. And it's been, you, you know, religious people have been like, this is you can't go against governmental laws. And we've talked way too much for all of us for a lifetime about can you obey the laws and the government and the oppression and the lockdowns and, you know, like where's where's following Jesus and all that? And then it's just divided families and French, like people have lost best friends and families have been separated and divided over washing hands and their view on how the pandemic thing. And there are spiritual undertones to all of that. The enemy is at work, whether you believe Satan is or not, or the other people like that, that's just been a thing that has been divisive and it's just it's heartbreaking to me that there's going to be long-term ramifications there's going to be like cousins that don't know each other and kids that don't know their grandparents because the grandparents and the the parents of the kids couldn't agree and i heard a story recently of parents wanting to come and visit for christmas and give a hug because they hadn't seen them their grandkids in like a year and the adult parents were like nope if you come you can't come near us and it like blew the family up yeah and they haven't talked in a year now 
You know, um, I quoted Titus, and I just want to read it. It's Titus chapter 3, because it speaks to what you're talking about, Scott. Um, it says, uh, verse 9, Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. That's the conversation Jesus is having with the Pharisees about handwashing. These things are useless and a waste of time. Verse 10, if people are causing divisions among you, watch this, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. That, that's not one of those most, uh, one, one of the most popular passages or a go-to place for most of us as Christ followers, but that's how God feels about divisiveness. People that cause division are not looked on favorably by God. It's like he hates that kind of thing. Yeah, and again, that point and the point that Jesus is making, the point that he quotes in Isaiah is making, it's been a human problem from the beginning. Verse 9, their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made... Did you say I- it that way? Farce. <laughs> I did this cool or word. vain or fake. Yeah, it's fake, it's the, false. Who, farce, that's a farce. farce. I like that. Yeah. Uh, their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands of God. I mean, come on, how... And frequently does that happen, that we take this and twist this and take our own ideas of what it should be and and package them with this Word of God flavor. And Jesus is saying that type of divisiveness, and I like the the Titus verse because it's not, and we've been talking about restoration of relationships and the unoffendable thing, that what you do when people offend you, and this isn't an example of Jesus going, hey, if someone offends you, just cut them off and leave because they're stupid. Like the the point is, is like, hey, they're they're directly trying to do divisiveness, and that's hurting your walk with Jesus, and it's hurting your relationships. There should be a, a goal of restoration of relationship, but at the end of the day, if there's people who are being divisive for divisive sake, like you need to distance yourself from that relationship because right. it's just harming you, and uh, it's harming the people around you, and, and there's wise steps to take with boundaries and relationships. Yeah, good. So I think that's a helpful thing as we head uh, into Christmas gatherings, yeah. time together with family, like to love people really well, well, share Jesus with them. Take those brave steps of um, sharing something that just know, you know it's God leading. Take courage. Um, you don't own the response of the person. There's going to be things where the Holy Spirit prompts you and puts in your heart. Follow him. Like, be courageous, and then plant that seed, water that seed of just loving people. Demonstrate generosity, love people, you know, not just with words, but with action. And understand that, like, it might be, uh, it might be you know, some, some hot topics things or whatever, but if you follow Jesus, he'll provide. Yep. He'll provide emotional support, courage. Um, uh, be about Jesus' way of reconciliation and about relationship, um, and, and, and you'll see God show up, and uh, you can have courage in all of this as we head into the, the Christmas time where we're just more interaction, maybe with some people that are a little more difficult, and I can be one of those difficult people for sure. Uh, and then just know, like, hey, God will do some amazing things. Christmas is just such a reminder of the miraculous, that God is intervening in our everyday life and yep. in our world. And... Uh, um, don't blow by, like, even if someone just, like, responds in just a little bit, and you're looking for a lot more, but they gave a little bit of a, a response, you're like, okay, look for God doing things. Look for God at work. See what, what God sees. Hear what God hears. And, like, like just pray, God, help me to, your Holy Spirit, to see and hear and what you ex- are seeing and hearing. 
uh, not just with our natural eyes. I think that'll really help us tune in to what God's doing in, in us, through us, relationally. Yeah, I think as we close that, Scott, that's a really good reminder. I mean, God just, I mean, that, that was big for me as I'm spending time with my family and a lot of them who don't know Jesus. What, what are those steps that you're going to take? Again, is the next step this season to just be aware of what God wants you to do and as you, you know, drink some eggnog and, you know, eat some food. And eat some pumpkin pie. I felt pumpkin like there was a song. Caroling. Uh, then what's I do, the next step? Yeah. I, well, I think the next step is we need to create some uh, merch, a baby line. Is like, what would baby Jesus wear? It'd be like these bibs that like... I'm, so thanks know, for joining us. The podcast uh, is podcast so well. dividing Now into the <laughs> mode of unaffected. So have a great week. That's See a good idea. Later. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think we're done. <laughs> Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All that. Have a great week following Jesus.